0: CHAPTER Six OF ANGELS OF THE BATTLEFIELD. THIS IS A LIBRIVOX RECORDING. ALL LIBRIVOX RECORDINGS ARE IN THE PUBLIC DOMAIN. FOR MORE INFORMATION, OR TO VOLUNTEER, PLEASE VISIT LIBRIVOX.ORG. ANGELS OF THE BATTLEFIELD BY GEORGE BARTON IN AND AROUND WASHINGTON. WHEN THE FRATRICIDAL CONFLICT BETWEEN THE SECTIONS BEGAN, VERY FEW PERSONS PAUSED TO CONSIDER ITS EXTENT AND CONSEQUENCE but as each week passed it grew in intensity and volume in the beginning of the year eighteen sixty two at least four hundred and fifty thousand union troops were in the field and half of that number were under the command of general mcclellan in and around washington upon the breaking out of hostilities old virginia had at once become the principal arena of the contending armies of the east the confederate capital being at richmond and the union seat of government at washington d c only a short stretch of country south of the potomac river separated the armies a disastrous defeat at bull run on the twenty first of july eighteen sixty one caused the union army to retreat to washington there were various minor engagements both before and after this date but nothing of unusual consequence occurred until february eighteen sixty two when general u s grant commanding the land forces and commodore foote the gunboats captured fort henry on the tennessee and fort donelson on the cumberland river in kentucky it was on this occasion when the commander of fort donelson asked for terms that grant gave the now historic reply no terms except immediate and unconditional surrender can be accepted i propose to move immediately upon your works some time before this the confederate and union forces realized that they were insufficiently provided with trained nurses in the early part of eighteen sixty two the government made a formal request upon the sisterhoods for nurses the sisters of charity were requested to send a deputation to attend the sick and wounded in the temporary hospitals at washington these hospitals consisted of a number of rather dilapidated frame buildings and various tents, which had been improvised into structures for hospital purposes. The sisters were promptly assigned from the mother house at Emmitsburg, Maryland. When they arrived at the national capital, they found the buildings and tents crowded with patients. The majority of these had been brought in from battlefields in the vicinity of Washington, the sisters endeavored to look after the temporal needs of the men in many instances acting in the dual capacity of doctor and nurse there were many incidents some of them of a humorous most of them of a decidedly serious character while the nurses were rushing from one cot to another a poor man who was in a dying state cried out at the top of his voice i want a clergyman one of the sisters hastened to him and asked what clergyman do you want he replied a white bonnet clergyman the one you ladies have but you are not a catholic said the sister i know that but i want to see a catholic priest after a slight delay a clergyman reached his bedside the poor patient reached his skeleton-like hand to the priest and began as follows in the bible we read as the father hath sent me i also send you and whose sins you shall forgive are forgiven now tell me has that order ever been countermanded in any part of the bible the priest replied with a smile no my son it is the same now as it ever was and ever shall be well said the sick man i have never disobeyed an order when one who gave that order had authority to command therefore being a good soldier i wish to fulfil that order in every respect as he was not in immediate danger and a man of considerable intelligence the priest told him he would come and see him again the soldier asked for a catechism or any book that would instruct him in the white bonnet religion later he made a confession of his whole life and was baptized on the following sunday morning in the chapel in the presence of the entire congregation he said he did not wish to be baptized behind closed doors but wished all to know that he was a catholic while he remained in the hospital he would go from one patient to another reading and explaining what had been explained to him several of the soldiers argued with him upon the subject of religion but with the bible in one hand and the little catechism in the other he would put them all to silence one dreary night a score of ambulances drove up to the hospital grounds with sixty-four wounded men of this number fifty-six had been shot in such a manner as to necessitate amputation of either a leg or an arm indeed a few of the unfortunates were deprived of both legs some died in the short while it took to remove them from the ambulance to the ward the sisters went from bed to bed doing all they could to minimize the sufferings of the soldiers two of the patients were very disrespectful to one of the sisters showing anger and telling them to be gone the nurse in charge quietly walked away after a little while another sister went to them and asked if they wished her to write to anyone for them they did and she wrote as they dictated then read it to them and left by this time they began to reflect on the kindness that had been shown them and soon appreciated the fact that the sisters were indeed their friends of the sixty-four wounded men eight died the next day there were thirty bodies in the dead house although it was the custom to bury two a day for a while the patients suffered from smallpox which added very much to the labors of the sisters since such patients had to be separated and quarantined from the others several died from the disease one of the sisters who waited upon them took it but recovered many of the patients who seemed to dislike and fear the sisters found that they had been mistaken in the opinions they had formed of them they often showed their confidence by wanting to place their money in the custody of the sisters one day a poor fellow obtained a pass and spent the entire day in the city and returned at twilight looking sad and fatigued a sister of his ward asked him if he was suffering and he replied no sister but i am tired and vexed i received my pass early to-day and walked through every street in washington trying to buy one of those white bonnets for you and did not find a single one for sale there are amusing stories of life in the hospitals and on the field and the following one is vouched for by mother mary alphonse butler every union soldier wore a belt with the initials u s a united states army when a wounded man was brought to the hospital notice was given to the sister and she would at once prepare to dress the wound one day a man was brought in on a litter pale and unconscious and the sister rushed to give him attention by degrees he became conscious and the sister asked him where he was wounded he seemed bewildered at first but gradually his mind returned Again the sister asked him where he was wounded. A smile spread over his face. It is all right, sister, he said. Don't disturb yourself. Oh, no, she said. They tell me you were shot. Yes, he answered. I was shot, but shot in the U.S.A. The sister understood at once. The bullet had struck the initials on his belt, and they had saved his life. The sisters were the witnesses of some very pathetic incidents the battlefield of bull run supplied its full share of these one of the brave union men who was killed in that disastrous engagement was lieutenant colonel haggerty of the sixty-ninth new york regiment it appears that haggerty had interred the remains of a child on the field and had enclosed it with an improvised railing at the head of the little mound was a narrow bit of board upon which was inscribed with small capitals in ink the following strangers please do not injure this enclosure here lies the remains of harriet osborne aged eight years beneath this is written in pencil the following lines when the storm clouds around us gather and this world seems dark and drear let us look beyond the darkness which hovers o'er our pathway here look beyond this world of sorrow to the regions of the blest where the wicked cease from troubling and the weary are at rest haggerty company b sixty ninth regiment haggerty must have been killed soon after performing this touching act for beneath the inscription is appended this brief mortuary record haggerty was killed at bull run july twenty first eighteen sixty one a correspondent of one of the northern newspapers writing to his journal at the time said this little memorial of one of the most conspicuous men of the union cause among the new york troops over whose fall one of his brother soldiers thomas francis maguer delivered at jones Wood so heart-rending a eulogy will be read with interest by hundreds of those who remember him proving as it does that the stern fierce devoted soldier found time in the very moment of danger to consider the fate of others at a meeting of the board of officers of the sixty ninth regiment held at their armory on april third eighteen sixty two captain theodore kelly lieutenant t m canton and lieutenant fahey were appointed a committee to proceed to the battlefield of bull run and bring back to new york the remains of their lamented brother officer who had fallen while gallantly leading a charge of the regiment in the memorable conflict of july twenty first the officers indicated performed their mission and the body was reinterred near the brave haggerty's home in new york city a letter received by the sisters from huntsville alabama dated may twenty sixth eighteen sixty two contains the following touching passage a few days ago a prisoner in the hands of general mitchell named cobb a relative of howell cobb died in the hospital at this place a federal officer visited the prison as was his daily wont and learning the facts asked the other prisoners if they would not like to attend the funeral the reply was yes but they could not hope to have such a boon accorded to them in view of their peculiar situation the officer at once repaired to the quarters of general mitchell stated the case and received an order for their permission to accompany the remains of their comrade to their last resting-place he returned to the prison with the order exacted a promise that they should not seek to escape and put the party in charge of father tracy the resident catholic pastor at huntsville the procession wended its way to the cemetery when the young ladies of the town strewed the coffin and the grave of the young soldier with the rarest flowers of the garden and evinced in the most unmistakable manner their sympathy and their ardent love for the cause of the south the scene was at once solemn grand and affecting there lay the earthly remains of the devoted soldier in the narrow house of clay and there assembled hundreds of the fairest daughters of huntsville to shed the parting tear over the corpse of the hero of their cause and garland the grave of the young rebel with the choicest products of their sunny bowers there stood the minister of religion chanting the office of his church for the repose of the soul of the departed surrounded by the witching forms of angelic traitors who made the air fragrant with the odor of their treason and commingling their anathemas of the union with the prayers of the priest the sermon over the prisoners returned to their gloomy quarters where they passed a series of resolutions thanking the officer for his kindness and general mitchell for the courtesy he extended and closing with the hope that the day might not be far distant when the defenders of the south and the defenders of the union could shake hands and fight by each other's side for a common cause to-day the men and officers of the fifteenth kentucky followed to the same spot the remains of bernard mcginnis who died from a wound received at winchester and over whose grave the same father tracy performed similar services to those which he had done before for young Cobb how beautiful it seemed to the beholder to look upon the same minister amid the tumult of war contending passions and the fearful exurbations of the public mind lift up his voice to the throne of the most high and solicit the pledges of faith for the soul of the young georgian and the faithful irishman without a prejudice for one or a partiality for the other chapter six